0: Hello, everyone. This is Robert Cruz, Vice President of Information Governance for Smarsh, and welcome to the latest Smarsh View podcast. This episode is going to cover encrypted apps and compliance risks. And we have a great panel with us today covering a variety of dimensions of this this issue. But before we begin, let me just provide a, a quick reminder that Smarsh provides this material for informational purposes only. Smarsh does not provide legal advice or opinions, and you must consult with your attorneys regarding compliance with applicable laws and regulation. And the perspectives here we're bringing are really looking from a European perspective, as well as looking at the smaller firms and larger firms from the U.S. side, and just getting a sense of how are organizations addressing some of these challenges that we've all been reading about recently with the use of encrypted apps. Uh, applications like WhatsApp that have been the subject of the regulator focus for the past several months. And so really there's, there's questions that come up about how is this, is how is this affecting firms, um, you know, in different parts of the world? What are some of the risks that organizations see that should be managed in dealing with some of these new communication platforms? And most importantly, what are firms doing about it? How are they responding to this challenge? So let me start with my colleague Sean Hurst uh, in London, and Sean, as expert in uh, in the European regulatory um, theater, uh, Sean, what's your point of view here with respect to the WhatsApp and encrypted use uh, news recently? How are you seeing this affect firms in Europe?
1: Hi, Robert. Thanks. I... <laughs> It's quite interesting. We've been on a a few uh, panel sessions lately with some folks from the financial services industries. And there's a common theme that seems to come up around this. People are going to use these encrypted applications. There's nothing you can really do about that. It's part of our everyday life. It's probably become more prolific even uh, since the whole lockdown phase during COVID. And with the use of these applications, it obviously increases the risk that communications might not be ca- being get uh, getting captured as they should be. If especially if you're talking with individuals that you're giving financial advice to that that information needs to be captured. And we've seen some big fines in the industry as well. And that's really put it into sharp focus that these companies need to address this. They can't just put a blanket ban on using these applications. And the big thing that I'm seeing, uh, the common thread that I'm seeing throughout these, these talks we're having recently is that there is a big shift back to not using bring your own device or BYOD. And the reason for that is so that people can control the capturing of this information, the capturing of WhatsApp the the inherent value of using an encrypted application like WhatsApp is that you can't have a third party integrating with it. But by being able to control the mechanism by which you're actually talking using WhatsApp, then there's a bit more control from the company. So we are going to see some shifts like that. but we all know that this data needs to be captured. And from a European perspective, it's the challenge between the requirements from a regulatory standpoint, and also the obligations you have from a data privacy perspective with things like GDPR.
0: And I think that that's
1: uh, really raising the question of, you know, how are you
0: monitoring or inspecting communications? And so let me ask Mariana, Mariana Shafir, our regulatory advisor covering our, our corporate customers, you know, how is this affecting the broker dealers and investment advisors? Because, you know, one, one point of view could be, you know, the regulatory focus has really been on the, the, the global banks and the multinationals. Um, are the smaller firms seeing that same level of, of scrutiny?
2: Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, you know, I follow these enforcements on a regular basis and I'm seeing more and more smaller firms being fined for failing to. Uh, capture and monitor encrypted apps, um, text messaging and um, and more and other types of electronic communications. So, you know, the small firms are affected as well and the same rules apply to them. Um, small firms, mid-sized firms here in the U.S. are all responsible um, for retaining records of digital communications that relate to their business. Um, as per the rule by the SEC Rule 17 Firms need to be aware of the requirements for monitoring and supervising with electronic communications environments, review and conduct and capture for any misconduct. And it's critical um, that any size firm archives all business communications, whether sent to and received by their reps, um, including, I remember there was an enforcement case where uh, a rep was texting with his um, assistant, and he got fined. Um, that's internal messaging. It's still related to the business. It was about the clients. So yes, it does affect small firms.
0: And so you you raised some of the, the potential risks there. Um, is it is it primarily the client facing issues that the, you see the regulators focusing on, or you know are there other things that firms are concerned about? you know, potentially the misuse of intellectual property or, you know, internal policy violations, other things where they may not have the visibility because the app is encrypted. Uh, Are you seeing other forms of risks pop up, you know, from the the smaller firm perspective?
2: Um, Yes, there's there's reputational risk. um, There's privacy concerns. It's not just uh, a matter of rules and electronic communications to capture because the regulators say so. There are other types of risk.
0: Right. And that's a, a great point. And kind of tying back to, to Sean's comment earlier, just the, the, the rethinking of uh, BYOD policies as, as one dimension of this. But, but Sean, I think for the, for the multinationals and, and firms in Europe, are you seeing companies change the way that they evaluate these technologies? Because it seems like it, it, it's, it's more than a full time job. I mean, we, we hear some banks say they have a hundred different communication sources that they've approved for use. You know, each of these are different and each of these are evolving with new features, new modalities. How do firms stay ahead of this? I mean, what kind of process can you implement to try to identify and monitor those things which your firm is not comfortable accepting the risk for? That's
1: a very big question, Robert. (laughs) It it is a big challenge. It's a huge challenge and it's not a new challenge. Uh, What makes it more difficult to deal with now is just the fact that there are so many more ways to communicate. This problem raised its head 10 years ago, 15 years ago, when there were far fewer ways to communicate. But today, it's far more prolific. What I am seeing is there is less of the policies, well, the policies always are always going to be in place about what should be a business communication method and what shouldn't be a business communic- communication method. The problem is that it's not always down to the business to dictate what ways we talk with our clients, right? If if you're working for a bank and that's especially prevalent in wealth management type parts of the business. If your, if your client decides the way I want to communicate is via WhatsApp or via iMessage or Telegram or Signal, then a lot of the time these individuals are, well, Put it bluntly, a massive earner for the for the bank, and the bank is going to try and do what they can to accommodate this, and that is sometimes what what is, what is changing our policies today. And I think it's not always down to us looking out for the wrongdoing that that insider trading, the uh, you know the, the the bad characters that are out there doing you know the the bad things. Sometimes it's about just making sure that you are covering yourself. You're having these communications with your client. You want to make sure that all of this is recorded so that if ever there is any discrepancy, you're able to provide that information. And I would say 99% of the time, that is what is dictating policy, the changes in policy. And we're seeing that, that change happening more and more, I think. You know,
0: the fact that in many cases, this is being driven by your client or your employee and the tools they prefer to use, the things that they're comfortable with. You know, this is the changing demographic of your business. It's not just technology for technology's sake. It's, well, first TikTok, it's it's, the engagement on TikTok is three times the length of any other social platform. And I think a lot of the the historical data we've seen about social media is that investment advisors that participate in social media are are more successful than those that don't. But, you know, Mariana, it's like, I can see a, a conservative you know, investment advisor, do they really want to embrace these networks? Or do they they stay in the more traditional risk averse side?
2: So what I'm seeing, and I I did want to agree, um, you know, Sean mentioned earlier that COVID did accelerate uh, these uh, applications, these channels, especially something like TikTok. And I am starting to see that more firms are starting to understand that and see that. And that's not just because you know, their reps might be using TikTok. It's because the clients are using TikTok. So yes, I am starting to see more of these applications um, becoming more popular. Um, Financial firms are starting to acknowledge that. Um, They are starting to monitor them. And it's really important because we do see the engagement on these applications. Um, And I did want to note that um, at a conference, I was attending a conference a few years ago, and uh, one of the panelists, the financial advisor, um, mentioned that, you know, even if they tell their reps, you cannot use these encryption applications, you cannot use texting, you cannot use these channels. The issue they have is the clients want to use it. And firms are starting to understand that and see that and that is where we are today.
0: Right. And and, and I want to turn from, from that comment, you know, Prohibition does not work, as I think we've seen historically too. You know, what can firms do? What are some of the available remedies? And like in most other areas, you've got the you know, the, the tools in your arsenal of, of technology, policy, training, attestation. Uh, but let's start with technology. And Sean, you mentioned just, you know, you raised the, the BYOD question earlier. What's the state of the technology here in terms of you know enabling a firm to, to actually capture? this with an automated approach? Are there more options available to firms to use nowadays?
1: And, and I won't go into too many details on this, Robert. Uh, I think it'd be best to, you know, for, for individuals if you're interested in this sort of technology to get hold of us and uh, we can go through it in in full detail. But there are options and, and that's the important thing. A lot of people aren't aware of it because they they know what what a, what is being told to them by companies like WhatsApp that your data is safe. And it absolutely is. There's no way for third party to directly interface with it. But there are ways to deal with it. And with the the BYOD, the shift back to a corporate-owned device or a managed device, there are ways for us to capture that information. And not only capture that information, but control access to what other applications might be in use on on those phones. Because it's it's tempting, you have your phone, if, even if it's a work phone, it's tempting to to open up an application like TikTok while you're at work and make comments that maybe you shouldn't have, uh, You know, starting up a Reddit thread. And again, maybe talking about some sort of financial trades that are happening. Now, being able to control that, that is why that shift is happening. That's why people are moving back from the BYOD. The shift to BYOD was always a cost-saving. Um, exercise, but that's no longer a concern anymore. Now it's about looking at those big fines that we see in the in the papers pretty often, where WhatsApp is involved or WeChat or one of these other applications. So the technology is there. It, there are a few options to be able to do it. And uh, and again, I'll just say, just come and have a chat with us, and we can give you some information.
0: Mariana, let me ask you just. A, a comment that came up earlier, you know, how do you potentially find a breadcrumb indicating that there is the use of, of, of a prohibited network happening? You know, an individual may be on that network, even if, if even after the firm has determined it's not acceptable for use. How can firms do that?
2: Um, one of the, you know, I think best practices um, for firms to monitor um, if, you know, their, their policies are working Um, and to monitor what tools their reps are using, is, um, you know, lexicons and searches when you're monitoring emails um, and electronic communications. Um, You want to set up search keywords such as uh, DM me, um, you know, send to my Gmail, uh, text me on WhatsApp, um, or even just the search word on its own, WhatsApp, and you can see which messages come up where they're mentioning WhatsApp. Um, So I think that is a great uh, tool to monitor uh, and supervise these communications. And it also is a best practice because it shows regulators you are monitoring um, the communications. So I always recommend to our clients that uh, this is a great tool uh, is setting up lexicon searches and keyword searches uh, for the use of prohibited channels.
0: Yeah, that's a great point because I think in the U.S. and probably in Europe as well, we're seeing quite a bit of activity around outside business activities. I mean, think back to the Roaring Kitty case a year ago uh, or change of venue where you know individuals start a conversation on one communication source and, and move it somewhere else. In some cases, that's to avoid some sort of nefarious behavior. So you know, important considerations to you know, use know your existing data and policies to identify, you know, where there may be some of these red flags that pop up that you can investigate further. Um, and just to close on the, on the policy question, I think there's a number of areas where we've, see, we've seen firms really step up their policy inspection and updating. I mean, not just in, in the front door of determining what's acceptable, but also their corporate communication policies, the code of conduct policies, making sure that they're not inadvertently biased toward things people used to use in the office, email and files and documents that they really reflect the modalities and the interactivity that some of these new communication sources bring voice, video, whiteboards, you know, not just social media in and of itself, but all these new ways of collaborating. So see quite a bit of activity on, on that side in the policy area. Um, let's kind of bring it up, bring it home and just, and talk about what do firms need to do to communicate to their employees? Um, so that they understand. Employees know what to do and not to do. And whether that's in the form of training, attestations, other areas, what, what can firms take away from this discussion and start to think about as far as how they enable their employees to do the right things? Let, let's, let's start with you, Sean.
1: Training is number one. Uh, enablement, making sure that staff understand why they are doing what they're doing. That's another thing that it's a key topic that has come up and it's a big change that I've seen in attitude from some of the big financial services firms is that they are trying to be more transparent about why they're doing things. And I think that's refreshing and I think it's the way things should be because if the staff understand why you're doing something then well they're just going to be a lot happier and more satisfied in their work environment. But They'll also realize that it's not just about these scare tactics. It's not just about it's not just about worrying about these fines. There's a lot of other value that can be uh, had from enabling the use of these modalities. So, yeah, I think, from my opinion, and, and I know you agree with me on this as well, Robert, it, enablement and training is probably number one.
0: Um, Mariana, let me let me ask training programs. What are you seeing some of the key things firms do in this area to make sure that their their programs are up to date?
2: Um, yeah, so I agree with Sean and I would add absolutely training um, when it comes to training, um, it's critical to obtain like regular attestations from the employees um, at the commencement of employment and regularly thereafter, like annual attestations. And on those attestations, I think it's critical to outline specifically not just which channels are permitted, but which channels are prohibited as well. And I think that has to be discussed with employees on a regular basis.
0: Yeah, awesome. And and great discussion here, everyone. Clearly, there's a lot to unpack and we could continue to go on for for hours here. But um, I think that's a good overview of kind of how firms are addressing this challenge of encrypted apps and and addressing compliance risk. It's not going to go away. There's going to be the next network. We'll continue on this topic. Would encourage you to visit Smarsh.com, check out our blog and some of the webinars we're doing on this. Uh, We'll stay in front of some of the regulatory actions and fines and see where there's um, new trends that are emerging. So thanks for joining today. Appreciate you joining the Smarsh View podcast and hope you can join us on the next one. So thanks for your time and have a great day.